a little bit more excited about the show today, Josh, than maybe we have been the last few weeks. Welcome into the Plank Show on the Ref. How was your weekend? It's nice to be in studio on a Monday, isn't it? Oh, happy Victory Monday. We made it, people. Back into the win column at long last. First lead that the Sooners had had since Nebraska. I want to say first score on the opening drive since UTEP. Is that right? First touchdown? Uh, it was a fun Saturday in Norman. And, you know, I've, I've said this pretty much nonstop on this program, and I think it's kind of understood and known. Like, if you're looking for a place that's going to tell you that they're doomed and never going to go anywhere and Brent Venables isn't the guy, it's not the place for you. And you probably need to go find somewhere else because I firmly believe in what they're doing doing and how they're going to adjust and continue to get better uh, as as coaches and as a team and as a program. And I'm not sitting here on this Monday trying to tell you when I told you so about the overall direction of the program and how they're going to be unstoppable and how they're going to win national championships based on a 10-point win over Kansas. But I think it, for me, it does show you that this team hasn't tapped out like was the concern after Texas. I think if you wanted to if you wanted to sit here on a Monday after Kansas State or a Monday after TCU or a Monday after Texas and your tweets or take was he's lost the team, they've tapped out. I I think Saturday's a really good indication that they have it. Now, fifty two forty two isn't necessarily a defensive Picasso. And I think everyone understands that. But I'm going to say something, Josh. I'm going to say something that is going to be very triggering to some. I'm going to say it, okay? And you can't stop me from saying it. Okay? Let's hear it. You ready? Yes. I think they're pretty close defensively. Oh, man. I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I understand how tired you are of cl- hearing about close for the last five. We're pretty close here. Pretty. I, 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 I said it. There you go. What I, makes I, you? I, I, I think they're pretty close defensively. It's just there's f- minor details that still need to be solidified, hammered out repped, mastered, whatever term you want to use. But I don't think it's as far off as the final score might indicate on Saturday. I said it. I said it. Now, that's not to say against Iowa State, they're suddenly going to pitch a a shutout. That's not to say, I don't even know who's after Iowa State. I'm, I'm one week at a time, Josh. That's what we're all about. Lord puts your eyes in the front of your head. I'm not going to say when Baylor comes to Norman on November 6th. I'm not here to tell you that suddenly they're going to hold Baylor to three or Oklahoma State to ten, but I think they're close. Now, some might say, Plank, the only reason you feel good saying that is because USC lost on Saturday night. No, no, not at all. Uh, It does magnify, though, what a difference a quarterback can make (laughs) on Saturday It's just about everybody. 
I mean, it really does. Well, and definitely offensively with what they want to do. And we knew that. We knew going in that this was not not in the same tax bracket, not living in the same neighborhood, totally different offensively Oklahoma with Gabriel. Do you know what was the very first uh, tweet to the show? Plank said we're close. Text line meltdown coming down in five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> Indeed. Four oh five six five one three four three nine. But no, I maybe I should clarify. I think they're closer than what forty one points against Kansas might indicate. How's that? Is that better? Wrote an article for Boyd Street that I knocked out uh on, on Braden Willis over the weekend after the game on Saturday, and it was you know, it's really wild to think about Braden's path. And here was a guy that in 2018, part of that recruiting class was, you know, we didn't know if Oklahoma was going to take a tight end in that class in 2018, right? And Braden was only a three-star guy. But as soon as he, because what, Mark Andrews had moved on, yeah, he had a couple of uh, other younger guys in the mix, and it was almost as if Willis was kind of additive instead of necessary. It's like, ah, let's get this physical freak in here and see what he can do. And it's even crazier when you think, Josh, that here is a guy that shouldn't be here right now. I mean, you think about the horrific nature of COVID, but in the in the one thing that – I still don't know if you say the NCAA did right or not, but in the one thing that has benefited some of these student athletes, they gave them an extra year. It's like, listen, you went through all this. You're testing before every game. You're, uh, some sports, you had your seasons canceled midway through it. We're going to give you an extra year. And it's really worked out, I think, where, where A, guys and gals can go places that – Give them an opportunity to to ball. Like I was blown away to see that Jalen, oh, who was the wide receiver that was at UCF for a while, that was in that same recruiting class with with Braden Willis. Like I want to say Robinson, but that's not it. But there there was a, I, I was shocked to see that he was on Ole Miss. <laughs> you know, after he'd spent time at both UCF and Oklahoma, I was like, huh. But it's just it kind of opens the door for you to take better opportunities. It's it's kind of cool, and I know that sounds terrible to say, but it's kind of cool to see what they've – many of those who got that extra year have been able to do with it. And nobody magnifies that more than a Braden Willis, right? He's already surpassed his career high for – he's already surpassed his career high for receptions and receiving yards in a season, already surpassed his career high for touchdowns. I mean, I want to say – I want to say he's already doubled it. <laughs> And, you know, at 6'4", 239, he's, yeah, I mean, close to doubling it. His career high in a season was 15 receptions, 177 yards, and three touchdowns, right? He's sitting at 20 receptions for 312 yards and five touchdowns. So, literally, he's on the verge, and when all is said and done, he's probably going to, I mean, zoom past all of his career numbers. I mean, zoom past them. So, you know, I think about a guy like Braden Willis quite a bit whenever I see a team that has struggled for three weeks, and I don't, I don't think I'm breaking any news. 
Texas and TCU were embarrassing. Those were embarrassing losses. It really was. And now, now you're looking at a situation where, you know, he's been able to shine and he's been a star. And it's not just in the passing game. He's not as you know, wildcat quarterback. And I don't think I have to tell anyone that he's done it blocking. But I also bring it up because, you know, we're in a we should win now, and I understand that. And I think sometimes you don't realize how tough it is that some of these dudes still have media responsibilities after a loss. And it's and Braden Willis did them all after Kansas State, after TCU, and after Texas when he was sweating and wearing a suit and stuck in kind of a, a hot box just up there getting peppered with questions. So it's kind of cool whenever you see someone that's had to deal with all that get an opportunity to to cherish and relish in a moment. And Josh, to be honest with you, I think that game's a lot more concerning if you don't have Braden Willis making some of the plays that he made. I mean, he, that catch on the goal line that I thought was a touchdown but wasn't, that was a that was a catch. Uh, the tight roping down the sidelines, some of the blocks that he had late in that game. I mean, he was – he's been a rock star for this team, and I just – I don't know, Josh, where they are without him right now. He's he's become pretty special for this Oklahoma Sooner football team. We knew that this was his opportunity to really take a step forward in the production department and put his best foot forward toward getting drafted in the NFL. And so far, so good. Obviously, this past weekend being the biggest highlight of all. And, you know, one of the cool things for him is – you go back to just the the Texas game, and though it's a game that you want to forget about, for Braden Willis, I mean, that's that's something that you get into those NFL interview rooms, and, I mean, that's, you know, some good tape for him just saying, you know, look, I'm willing to literally do anything that it takes to try and help my team win. I'm just – I'm not meaning to spend this whole first segment as a tip of the cap to Braden Willis. But I think every fan that has gone through, well, every fan's gone through these last few weeks, every fan that's gone through these first six games has experienced the highs and lows of what, you know, 90% of college football programs deal with, not quite to the degree of what Oklahoma has had with getting up to as high as six and then, you know, giving up 100 points in two games and getting shut out in your rivalry game. But, you know, there's been one constant. There's been one consistent, and that's been Braden Wills. And it's an example that's being set that I honestly think, Josh, is is huge for years to come. He's not going to be an All-American, right? Um, he's not going to be an Offensive Player of the Year. Don't think he's going to be a first or second-day draft pick, but he's a, he's a dude that's just flat-out making plays for this team and doing anything they ask of him. So, tip of the cap to Braden Willis today. Little search on Twitter will help you see some of the blocking that he's been doing for this team, too. I mean, again, the 100 plus receiving yard day, that stands out. And in terms of what's ultimately going to get him paid, Plank, you, you can make the argument maybe that's every bit as important, if not more important, than the dirty work that he's doing blocking. But man, he's been so good. For Oklahoma in the run blocking department, he was good again against Kansas, and he's just somebody that's kind of waited and bided his time. Now, here you go. Opportunities here, and again, 
versus Kansas. Great performance. Incredible. All right. It's Victory Monday. So, let's get back to kind of our Monday tradition on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. You can hit us up on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. That's the call in line, 405-329-9000. On Twitter, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref. After six weeks of Oklahoma Sooner football, heading into the bye, I know this. We'll, th- we'll throw some of ours out there next. The elusive ham sandwich is back up for grabs. I know, what a prize. 405-651-3439. Week six of Oklahoma Sooner football. I know this. And heading into the bye week. We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, so there, there is a little bit of breaking news. The University of Oklahoma has announced a new fundraising campaign called Lead On. There's a statement from Joe Castiglione. It's making its rounds on Twitter right now. And to probably nutshell it here for you, and these are two quotes from the, I guess, release or whatever on on Twitter right now, Soonersports.com slash lead on. With the move to the SEC, it obviously positions OU for a sustained success at an elite level that will reap, as this is worded, extraordinary opportunities. OU's lead-on campaign has set a goal of $2 billion that will impact every area and campus of the university. It's being described as the most ambitious plan in OU athletics history with a focus on world-class facilities and resources to provide a transformative student-athlete experience. Every component of the campaign is strategically aligned to enhance the student-athlete's well-being and to prepare for a new frontier. Two billion, man. A lot of money. But it will be it'll be very interesting to follow. I don't know. I didn't realize this was coming. I didn't realize this was going to be a thing. But I guess more than anything else, Josh, they OU Athletics has been self-sustaining. There is going to be an, an influx of, of money as it pertains to the SEC deal. But with that influx of money also comes increased expense and a, a higher level of expectation. Now, I will admit, they said across the board, right? So both athletics and the university. So I'm gonna I'm not familiar with what that looks like. Like I have no idea. Does that mean we're we're bulldozing in some buildings and starting to build over or what? But um it's very ambitious and it's described as the campaign for the future. So and in fact, I had no idea this was coming down today. No clue whatsoever. But Josh Helmer, here we are. Here we are. And obviously, we know there's, you know, just 
talking specifically athletics, some very ambitious facility goals sure. that Oklahoma has and, you know, that whatever percentage that comprises of the, the $2 billion project uh, is what it is. But we know that Oklahoma, again, has some things that it really feels it needs to get accomplished. All right. Um, I don't think you probably announced this after a loss. So, you know, who knows? Maybe this is something that was going to be dropped a little bit earlier or maybe they were kind of waiting for the right time. But heading into a bye week after a tough stretch to get that win, kind of a renewed faith in in the direction of where we're heading. Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of dropping this now. Because, as you mentioned, there's some ambitious facility goals, right? Love's Field is it, it's good financially, right? Now, obviously, there's money to be raised for, for upkeep and maintenance and things of that nature, but it's going to be built. Baseball facility, I, I'll have to double-check with Tip, but it's, it's going to be built, but there's still some work to be done financially, right? And, you know, if there's one thing we learned from the College World Series this year in Omaha, Josh Helmer, we've uh, – SEC takes its baseball very seriously, and that's an area where – Definite facilities improvements need to come. Basketball, ambitious, ambitious with some of the things they want to do with basketball. In fact, uh, going back to baseball, during Saturday's game, we talked to Skip Johnson, and they were showing during the tribute to the OU baseball team, they were showing the renderings of what they want it to look like. What am I leaving out? Oh, football. You know, we're talking about I know there was a number that was out there, but I heard that number is significantly higher for what they want to be able to do with football. They want to build a state-of-the-art, brand-new facility, which is awesome and wild when you consider how new the south end zone is. There's still work to be done on the west side. Is that the press box side? You know me. I'm not good directionally. Okay. Is that right? West side, press box. There's work to be done there. So – a lot of, as you put, ambitious ideas. Jim, you know, upgrading McCaslin. A lot of cool things, but takes a lot of money. So, SoonerSports.com has all the details. They don't just let you build them for free. Right. I've tried that. It doesn't work out so well. All right, so, Josh, again, not trying to get too overly juiced. Uh, though, after last week, I'll take about anything. Are you kidding me? After last week, after the last three month, weeks. three weeks. After week six of Oklahoma Sooner football, Josh Helmer knows this. Eric Gray can, can do some things uh, with the football in his hands. He uh, Has clearly. He, are people finally embracing him now? Have we finally moved I, past that? Y- yes. Okay. Yours truly included, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know that I was. Uh, you know, incredibly, incredibly down on Eric Gray, but you want to see it to believe it. And a buck seventy-five on the ground, a couple more touchdowns. Just the things that he was doing to get to the second level, and then when he was at the second level, the the shake that he was putting on various Kansas linebackers and defensive backs. I mean, he is man. You get Eric Gray out in space, and this was what we were expecting to see from Eric Gray. He's tough to get down out in space, so. I just think, you know, combining that with just the overarching theme of Oklahoma had, I thought, offensively up front, its best day with the offensive line. The way they ran the football, uh, I don't have Dylan Gabriel's 
pressure numbers in front of me, but I want to say that he only really got hit maybe once uh, in the game, the the play that he was sacked on, and I, I don't know that he got touched up much beyond that. So just all of that together, I know that clearly they've made strides, Blank. You know, it's it's interesting. I had – you know, we have our spotlight player, and the guy I put in my spotlight was Lonnie Phelps. And Lonnie Phelps had been creating havoc – all season long, and I don't, I don't remember him. I don't remember seeing him come off the field getting hurt. Um, this is a dude that had a sack in each of the previous six games, had fourteen combined tackles in each of the previous three games, and I don't even remember his name being called. I think he had one tackle, and that was it. And that is, you know, that's a dude that, as we mentioned, had been leading the Big Twelve. In or he had been up there, I guess I should say, in sacks overall. Because in the in the opener, I mean, my gosh, he had three sacks against Tennessee Tech. Now again, Tennessee Tech don't want to get too carried away, but six sacks on the season, and don't remember hearing his name. So and and I don't, I know you've got snap counts, and maybe we can look at them during the break. But I I felt as if. I haven't listened to, to Teddy and, and Gabe yet in the Oklahoma breakdown, but I felt as if, Josh, we saw a lot more Robert Conjol than we had seen, and not at center. And We did. I, I felt like McCade Matara was over on the sidelines. Quite he was. Huh. Without the exact numbers pulled up in front of me, took a look at this last night, and I want to say Conjol had something in the neighborhood of 60 snaps versus 40 oh, from wow. Mataria. That's awesome. I think. <laughs> I will say, if you watched Coach's Corner two weeks ago, Bill Beanbow was on with us, and it was after, I think it was after Kansas State, maybe, and I would brought up McCain Matar, and I'm like, this dude, coach, looks like a football player. He's got that long hair, comes off, sweat dripping, spit out his mouth, mouthpiece, doesn't even matter. Got that eye black, looks like he can. I think he had also had a really big block where he pushed the guy out of the end zone or something. Uh, he looks like he's really starting to come into his own. And, and Bill Peter was like, yeah, he's done, a, he's done a good job. He's got a lot of things to get better on. And that was it. I was like, all right. <laughs> So, so there you have it. Okay, Coach. Not, not Again, maybe Bill Biedmo was just tired of our questions because I think it was a second segment. But, yeah, I felt like you saw a little bit more of, of Robert Conjol inside. And, you know, they just they just went out with an attitude. You didn't, you didn't have a lot of the penalties either. I think after, after week six of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this, Oklahoma still has to make sure – that they're not beating themselves. Penalties-wise, a little better on Saturday, right? Four penalties for just 45 yards, and I don't I, I don't feel like there were too many pre-snap penalties, right, that put them in tough situations. But they still lost the turnover battle. You know, that's how, that's how you're in a game where you amass 701 yards of offense, Josh, and you still – Thank you, Casey. And you still end up in a fairly tight game where you've got, you know, onside kick team late to make sure that this game doesn't get any more concerning, right? So they're they're still in a situation where 
they can't beat them. They've got to be careful about beating themselves. I mean, and the turnovers came at that, times where you could land a knockout blow. That was exactly where I was going next. I mean, that is what kept the game close, right? And when we look back and evaluate the defensive performance, I'm not here this morning to tell you that Oklahoma played this great defensive game. They gave up 42 points. But 14 of those were directly influenced by offensive turnovers. So the shortcomings, again, that the defense had actually, in part, was in some way, shape, or form influenced by a couple of offensive mistakes. So, you know, you think about everything that OU did positively in this game, 700-plus yards, basically 400-plus passing, 300-plus rushing, and yet it could have been better, right? I mean, I I think, again, Gabriel down the field, a couple of throws that he would like to have back, which that's probably just something you should expect from a quarterback, right? You're not going to hit on every throw. And occasionally with Dylan Gabriel, he's going to miss on open targets down the field. But the turnovers, man, like everything that went positive, it actually could have been better. Could have been better for Oklahoma offensively. All right, the Air Comfort Solutions text line is on fire on this here Monday morning. So let's hit it next. We're going to hear from Brent Venables a little bit later on in the show and Dylan Gabriel postgame. We had a chance to talk to C.J. Cold in the postgame. That's one thing I, I learned. It, at some point this morning, can we have a conversation about like the D.J. Graham role? Because I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how this guy went from a dude that we thought was going to be a starting cornerback and maybe with his size and ability, a lockdown corner, to basically being a healthy scratch on Saturday while he stood on the sidelines and we watched guys like C.J. Colden continue to make plays. It's one of the great mysteries to me. I, I honestly thought he had the chance to be special. And... Maybe he is. Maybe he's going to be, but just a wide receiver. Still on the sidelines, still wearing number nine, but, man, never even stepped foot on the field. All right, quick break. 9.34. When we come back, straight to the Air Comfort Solutions text line and your calls at 405-329-9000. It's a Plank Show right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. What are you smiling about? Ah, oh, just happy this morning, man. Glad to be with you. Oh, um... We got to talk some NFL later in the show. We do. That was fun Saturday, or Sunday, and a great Saturday college football. I mean, it really was. What a weekend of football. So good. I don't know if it could have worked out much better on Saturday for the Sooners. Right? Get your win. Watch Oklahoma State get beat. Melt down. Watch USC get beat. Melt down. I don't know if it gets much better. But I could have used a Utah cover. I'm in an 0 for 4 streak on the Ref Royal Rumble right now. I'm sorry, buddy. Did you see? Did you see though what happened? I told you this is what happens. Every time I, I I'm in this thing now where you got to go with the gut, man. I had Hawaii, Hawaii was a team I wanted, but for some reason I looked down. And I said Navy it is. <laughs> I was at a, I was at a da- I was. For me, I don't get to do a lot of chaperoning of events just because of the hectic nature of the schedule. And on Friday night, I got to chaperone event. I don't know. I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to ask my man Adam Hyde. I don't really know if I was invited to chaperone, but I kind of just wedged myself in there and said I'm going. 
went to a haunted house, or at least a haunted trail, Josh. And my daughter was very scared to go, but she wanted to go because she's cool. She's got to go. That's right. Yeah, cool kids go to the haunted trail. And, of course, as expected, she wussed out as soon as we got there. <laughs> so I'm just standing with, uh, with the f- Frady Five that didn't end up going in, and I'm just literally refreshing this Navy SMU game all night long, and I'm just so mad at myself, and I'm saying – you won in Lafayette, you passed. Navy, what are you doing? Because they beat Tulsa, suddenly they're going to beat SMU. And you know Hawaii is going to get it done. And I, I just I took the kick to the gut. I was kicking myself for not just following the uh, Tennessee trend or taking Illinois over Minnesota. Which, which you had talked about. I know. I know. I, I knew they had a good chance to win that game. There was another funny thing from that Friday night that I want to get to later on. Because, you know, in addition to college football, I was watching my Dodgers completely and totally melt down. But it was it was a funny situation. I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later on. we got to talk about it on the air. But I promise Air Comfort Solutions text. There's nothing, there's nothing worse whenever you're supposed to be at an event and you're watching kids and all you, gotta, all you want to do is, is catch up on games. It's like, you guys, about if I just drift away to my phone and then suddenly you look down at your phone for a little bit to catch up on things and you look up and one of the kids is gone. You're like, oh. Oh, no. <sighs> Navy just scored a touchdown. Well, you know what? Navy scored. They cut it to seven. Kid's going to be okay. It did look for a moment like maybe they were going to pull it off for you in the second half. They but. tried. Uh, from the 214. Plank said we're close. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's I already read that one. Plank needs a one-day suspension from the ref. Close. <laughs> hey. Just saying. Sooner Soldier. Why doesn't Dr. Fauci, a.k.a. Ted Roof, call more blitzes? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that because he looks like him? Um, he did it only a few times, and it was very effective when he did, still concerned with defensive calls. I have a theory, Josh, on I don't think Ted Roof and Dr. Fauci look alike. Do you? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Is it is it Sooner Soldier because you feel like, I don't know, in a very political way, misinformation is being spread or something? Because I know that's obviously a big storyline maybe for some. I don't know. Is it just simply the age? Is it the age? Uh, Here's my theory on blitzing. They had been terrible at getting home. Terrible. Against both TCU and Texas. And I think they've decided to be more choosy when they decide to do it. If that's a word, selective might be a more professional term. To use, but I don't know. If, I don't know if they necessarily been an effective team with it the last few weeks. So just be a little bit more selective when you do it. Maybe bring different guys here and there. I've got to look at snap counts, Josh, during the break because there were a few guys. Look, twofold. There was a few guys I thought we'd see more that we didn't, and there were a few guys that I felt like we had typically seen a lot that we didn't. I mean. I, I mean, and again, I could probably be proven completely wrong, but I I felt like maybe Justin Broyles wasn't out there as much as he typically is. But then again, in that same vein, maybe it was just, you know, he he hadn't been brought on that blitz that it seemed like they would bring him on every single time. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's a fair question, but I also think they're being a little bit more selective about it. Oklahoma came away with seven stops in this game, possession-wise. And gave up 42 points. So, I, I don't know what you make out of that. Turnovers, man. How do you have 700 yards and you still end up in a 10-point game? 
It's got to be turned. And, and by the way, they were only minus one in a three turnover game. So they turned it over three times, but they gained two. I'm, I'm having a hard time coming to grips with that. John writes, I had a good feeling from the way the coin flip went to the first drive, which was beautiful. And the fact that the defense did not lose us the game and got a turnover, how good was Smitty at pumping up the sideline? What a great day overall. Someone had brought that up. Schmitty was getting the folks fired up. Schmitty's always getting the folks fired up. I mean, that's 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 Schmitty, man. That's what he does. Someone had had tweeted about the Juice Box Brothers on the sidelines, and I guess that's the the nickname that Nick Anderson had given the guys who aren't playing. Which for some reason I I couldn't come up with a kind way to put it on the broadcast. You know the guys over here that don't have shoulder pads, but they wear the jersey and they sling towels around. And Gabe goes, "You mean the guys that aren't playing?" Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it was the Juice Box Brothers. I, I don't know where that came from, but I mentioned it several times on the broadcast. It was it was a significant detour from the energy from the juice that had been on that sidelines before. Um, when there were kickoffs, they were all arm in arm. Sometimes they had a dude on their shoulder. It's Gavin Sawchuck. There was another dude I'd never heard of before. That was, I don't know if he snagged a uniform and was just showing up on the sidelines or what, but it was up on shoulders and they'd be slinging towels and, you know, squirting the water bottles all around. It was pretty cool to see. It was, it, it kept dudes that weren't playing engaged in the game. And, you know, it kind of pulled everyone up towards the sideline and brought a little energy. So, yeah, I thought that was cool. That was, again, something that I don't think had any effect on the game, right? I just, But it's just it was a good energy to see on a team that definitely was, was, was 86 the juice. Uh, Shark writes, please play the wine bag in L.A. after his loss. It makes me laugh. Oh, come on. We're not going to wallow in any team's misery, are we? Why was – they lost their first game of the season. Why was Caleb Williams crying? Yeah, I, I, I'd i be lying to you if I didn't, in the aftermath, think the same thing. He said later he just hates losing. I mean – Which I, I get that, but it's like, dude, you're, you're not even out of this thing yet. Right. You went out, you're fine. He was he was he was in his feels though for sure. I saw someone retweeted this into my timeline and I laughed about it all day Sunday. A USC like one of the, you know, fan not not fan accounts but one of the kind of podcast accounts said this USC team is going to be so dangerous once they get a defense. And someone retweeted it and said, "Well, buddy, do I have that. a story for you?" <laughs> I just laughed. Uh, Nine forty-seven on the Plank Show. One more um, here. We're, we're we are rolling through what the Sooners are after Week Seven. Did I say six earlier? You did, but oh, I'm sorry. After Week Seven, we for you know Week Six technically has been eradicated from the. Sorry. The history book. I eliminated the OU Texas game from my mindset and even wrote down week six on my notes. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Through seven weeks, Gunny writes, I know we have a potent offense with Dylan Gabriel on the field. 
I also know this defense still has vast improvements to make, but they are coming along. I like my sandwiches with no mustard or mayo, Chris. That's a reasonable. Pretty, hey, that's a pretty good candidate for uh, best best tweet so far. That's a. Uh, it's wild to me to think how. That was the same, and again, I, I understand, right? You've got a, you've got your quarterback back, but it's just, oh, it, no, it, it's shocking. That's the same offense that we saw the week before. Shocking, night and day, F- fifty-two points different between between the two, and frankly, it probably should have been more. Mm. All right, quick break. 948. We got much more to get to. Keep them rolling in. We'll get your phone calls coming up in just a bit. Hang in there. 405-329-9000. When we come back, let's hear a little post game for Brent Venables and kind of dive into now the landscape of college football. Right? Where, where are we? Where are we heading? What's the what's the next What's the next big game we're all kind of centered on? Is it this weekend? Is it Texas Oklahoma State? Are you shocked to see Texas a favorite in that? You know, honestly, Texas wins it. They're right back in the mix to play in the Big 12 championship. Oh, game. sure they are. They're, they're, one they're of the, there now. They're one of the driver's seat teams if they win that game. So we'll dive into that coming up next. It's the ref. It's Plank Show right here on the Home Sooner Fans. Hey, here's, here's one thing I wanted to ask you about. What did you think overall of the uniforms? I loved them. I thought they looked great. I mean, from an – identification standpoint and i know that obviously there was the flub up by the fan base thinking that the freeman grab was was stoops for you know probably obvious reasons the the numbering itself it, it was it was tough to see i think at times just based on the the shading of the uniforms and what have you but uh man i thought they looked great i and obviously again you know the unity message itself honoring Prentice got. I, I thought all of it was fantastic, and I really thought they looked sleek. I thought they looked great. Hey, um, I did notice one thing, and I guess this is more of a me problem. Was that you that slammed the door, or did somebody get mad at that take? No, oh. and <laughs> I, it was I, not an angry slamming okay, of right. the door. Those those doors, they just, I hated they the Yoda Farms. Um, but. And by the way, it's funny because I'm looking up and I saw the flop from the Kentucky offensive lineman in the Mississippi State game, which is pretty good. We had two great flops this weekend. Guy punches him. Two seconds later, he falls back. Here's one thing I did notice. I loved the unity message on the back. I thought the colors popped. You know, I say this about the Baker Mayfield statue. People can clown it when they see a picture of it. But when you see it in person, you're like, oh, looks good. It's pretty cool. I felt the uniforms were the same way. But with so many guys wearing the same number, it, it did create a couple of problems for me at times. I, I did have my – I never have a roster. You know, I, I never do because I know who 20 – I know every dude on the team. And if I don't, there's his name on the back. But there's a few times where I'm like, oh, God, who's that? You know, who's that 23? Who's that 20? Is that Major or is that Colden? Who is that over there? But yeah, I was – I thought it was really cool, really well executed. I thought telling the story of it in stadium, the TV broadcast, what I, I, I hope we did on the radio broadcast, I thought it really hammered home what this was all about. And there's never 
like the right time, I think, to to break out alternate jerseys. But I thought, to be honest with you, I was kind of concerned about the timing. I was. I really was. In fact, if you went back a week ago today whenever someone had told me about it, I was like, oh, is there any way we can push that back to? You know, it was just in my mind, I thought, this is uh, the – the fan base is angry right now. They're restless. Let's not do anything that'll trigger them more. But lo and behold, everything worked out perfectly. I thought it was great. I thought it was I thought it was great. I really do. And you went out and you played great and offensively. The, and the PA guy didn't yell boomer when they were right over the football again, which was pretty nice. No, he timed it up pretty good. Timed it up pretty boomer. good this week. That's a first down boomer. First down boomer. Someone had put after Boomer. seven weeks of Sooner football, I know this, third down and, well, I don't know which way you want to look at third downs on Saturday. You can look at it one way that Oklahoma was really, really good offensively at it. And I, they started out pretty good defensively, didn't they? And then yeah, just down the stretch. Down the stretch, they kind of struggled with it, right? I think I think Kansas finished five. Yeah, what I think. I've got the stats. Look here. Five of 11 on third downs. I want to say, Josh, that of those five, five of eleven, I mean, I mean, Oklahoma. I feel like most of those came in the second half. I could be wrong. Yeah, well, and I remember. I, I feel like looking up and seeing that Kansas was three for something at one point. So, yeah, and it was a solid percentage. But bottom line, more than anything else, they were great at it offensively. Still work to do defensively. Uh, hour two, Brent Venables next.